this Jesus in Genesis series. Uh, it's going to be a five-week series. Uh, we're looking at, at kind of um, looking for Jesus in the Old Testament and specifically in Genesis. And, and as I was thinking about this, I was like, man, this is like a, a Where's Waldo book. Right, remember the old books, you try to find Walt, like you know he's on the page somewhere, but you're not quite sure where he is, and you're looking really hard. That's kind of how Jesus in the Old Testament is. Like we know he's there, even though we don't see the name Jesus anywhere in the Old Testament. We know that he can be found there. So with a little bit of study, uh, with working within the framework of the, of the Bible as a whole, we're going to see that Jesus is actually everywhere in the Bible, not just in the New Testament. And one of the most common ways that we, we see Jesus in, in the Old Testament is what's called a Christophany. Uh, we're going to go a little bit deeper today. So it's what's called a Christophany or just kind of a, 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 a vision of Jesus or an appearance of Christ. And so this series, what we're going to see about Jesus is that he is creator and redeemer. Jesus is both creator and redeemer. And we see that in Genesis. So these, these Christophanies, uh, they're, they're different ways that, that, that Jesus shows up. And, and most often, uh, they're in human form. Okay? It's not like an angel will appear and it'll say, it'll be followed by words that say, like the angel of the Lord. Okay? When we read the angel of the Lord in the Old Testament, it's talking about Jesus. And so we see that all over the place. And more often than not, it's in human form, but sometimes it's a little bit harder to see. Right? Sometimes it's like when Moses sees God in the burning bush. Or the, the pillar of smoke that goes ahead of the Israelites right, as they're being led out of, out of slavery in Egypt. The pillar of smoke that goes ahead of them and then behind them to protect them from Egypt's army that's following them. Those are Christophanies. Those are places we see Jesus in the Old Testament. So we're going to take five weeks to look at this and we're going to, we're going to specifically focus on, on Genesis. And as we do, we'll, we'll notice these, these different roles that Jesus play that go beyond just his name. That go beyond the, the name Jesus. So we're looking today, we're going to focus on the, the creator and the redeemer aspect of it. And I would say we see Jesus from the, the very beginning, from the very first verses uh, in the Bible, we see Jesus. Look at Genesis 1, chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters, then God said, let there be light, and there was light. See, God used his words to create everything. And somehow, Jesus was and is that creative word. Jesus is the word that God used to create everything. When we contrast this to what we see in, in, in the book of John in the New Testament, verse 1, in the beginning, starts out just like the very beginning of the Bible, John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning the Word already existed. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God and God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. So the New Testament, it helps us really to have a fuller understanding of the Old Testament we see these verses in the New Testament, that they, they add to the story of the Old Testament. They're not meant to be taken as completely separate stories. It's like looking at a piece of art before it's completely finished. 
Right? It might be hard to grasp what the, what the artist's intentions are, what, what, what they're going for. And I'll be honest, full disclosure, I'm very uncultured. And so art, even when it's finished, I don't, I don't get it. And so for me, I, a better analogy would be Legos uh, because I'm uncultured and immature. That's why I'm the youth pastor, right? So Legos, if you're holding uh, an incomplete set of Legos, it's partially built, and then you're looking at the, other, the pile of Legos that have yet to be placed, it doesn't, like you're looking at it, like, there's no way this is going to look like it's supposed to look, right? It doesn't add up until you get it done and you see, like, oh, Okay, that's what it's supposed to be. When we read about Jesus in the Old Testament, it might be hard to understand without those extra pieces that we find in the New Testament. Another New Testament verse that, that brings clarity to Jesus being part of creation is found in Colossians. Colossians 1, 15 and 16, it says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation, for through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. So not only did Jesus participate in creating the material world, but also the spiritual world. Created both. He created everything. Heavens and, and, and angels were created by him, and eventually some of those angels fell, right? And they became demons, and then hell was created. Jesus was part of all of that. So Jesus created all things. And this means that on the sixth day, on the sixth day of creation, Jesus created us. Jesus created man and woman. Human beings were made by Jesus for Jesus. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. See, just like God wasn't alone in the beginning, okay, the, the Trinity has always existed. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, that's always existed. God was not alone in the beginning, and he didn't want us to be alone. Right, so he created Adam. He said, it's good. And then he gave him all of the animals. He gave him control over all the animals. He said, it's good. But then he looked at Adam and, and, and saw that he was alone. He said, that's not good. <laughs> so he gave him a wife. He gave him Eve. He gave him a helper. And he said, it's very good. It's very good. And then Adam and Eve, they were given dominion and authority to be, to be fruitful and to, and to multiply. They had plants and trees for food to eat, right? There was just one tree that was off limits, one tree, the, the, the tree of knowledge of good and evil, was, was off limits. God said, look, this is beautiful, this is perfect, and everything here is yours. Everything you see is yours except that one tree. Kind of brings a little bit of, of, of comfort knowing that, like, humans have been dumb since the very beginning, right? Like, we've been broken and, 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 and just not good since the very beginning. It's not just us that makes bad choices, See, humanity believed a lie, and sin entered the world. Humanity believed a lie, and sin entered the world. Genesis 3, 1 through 3 says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals that the Lord, Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did, you, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said that you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. 
You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. Satan shows up in the form of a, of a snake here, and he proceeds to deceive Adam and Eve. Right? He twists God's words. He, he, he lies to them. Jesus, in, in John uh, chapter 8, he says that he's a liar, Satan's a liar, and he's the father of lies. As I, was, as I was working on the sermons, I was preparing this, I, I started giggling to myself. I, I, I was reminded of um, a, a friend back in, in high school. We had, we had told, she was the most fun person I've ever been around, but she was a little bit ditzy, if, if you know what I mean. And we, we, we convinced her one day that uh, all stop signs with a white border were optional stop signs. Yeah, if, if you're thinking in your head, like, oh, let me just save you, all, all stop signs have white borders, okay? So we convinced her the ones with the white borders were optional. The problem is we forgot to tell her we were kidding. And then one night, coming home from a dance, she almost killed us all when she blew through a stop sign. We're like, what are you doing? She's like, it was an optional stop sign. The lies that we believe, sometimes it can be so easy, right? And that was meant to just be a joke, but Satan doesn't, Satan doesn't lie like that. It's not fun and games for Satan. And so Adam and Eve, they, they, they fail to, to believe God and they, they give themselves over the, to this lie. They give themselves over to this lie that, and, and they do the very thing that they were commanded not to do. The only thing they weren't supposed to do, they, they do it because of what Satan says to them. So I think about this, this serpent showing up in, in Genesis and I think how many, how many serpents do we allow in our lives? that distort God's word or, or, or take the place of, of, of authority in our life, that start to distort our, our, our beliefs, whether that's bad teachers, bad Bible teachers, whether it's the news, whether it's that social media theology, right? Everybody on social media know, knows everything about God, whether it's conspiracy theories. See, we let these things into our lives and, and, and they begin to distort our beliefs. These things begin to determine how we're going to live out our, our Christian lives. We start to, to worship God the way that we see fit, the way that we want to worship God, or we stop worshiping God altogether. And we have those voices, both, both outside and inside, that say, God wants you to be happy. God wants you to do what you want to do. God is, he, he wants you to be happy more than he wants you to be obedient. Those voices are coming at us from, from, from everywhere. But we know the older we, the older we get, the more we know that choices have consequences. Right? Our choices have consequences. Our actions have consequences. Adam and Eve find that out. So then he said to the woman, "I will sharpen the pain of your pregnancy, and in pain you will give birth. And you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you." And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you. All your life you will struggle to scratch a living from it. It will grow thorns and thistles for you, though you will eat of its grains. By the sweat of your brow you will have food to eat until you return to the ground from which you were made. For you were made from dust, and to dust you will return. So this is the, the beginning of, of what, what we call the fall. 
This is what we refer to as the, the fall. And the fall is the answer to why there is evil and suffering in the world. The fall is the, is the reason why. This is where we come to understand the state that our world is in right now, the sorrow, the, the, the pain, the, the confusion, the suffering, the death. All of that can be traced back to the fall. Although we're still image bearers of, of our God, that, that sin nature that original sin that Adam and Eve took part in fell to all of us, right? That original, that, that sin nature developed and was passed down through every human being in every generation. And so now we have this, this kind of inkling not to worship God. There's something else tugging us in, in, in another direction. We start to trust our, our own ideas and our own opinions over God's truth, okay? And that's idolatry, it's idolatry of self. When you put your, yourself, your own opinions, your own beliefs over that of God's truth, that's idolatry. There's a, a quote about sin I love. It says, sin will take you farther than you ever thought you'd go. It will keep you there longer than you ever intended to stay. And it will cost you more than you ever expected to pay. How true is that? We follow this path of sin, and before we know it, we're stuck somewhere we don't want to be. And the cost? Man, the cost is immeasurable. It's not just talking about money, right? The sin in our life destroys relationships. It destroys our, our, our communication. It destroys our relationship with God, with our spouses, with our loved ones, with our, with our kids, with our friends. Sin takes us to a place we don't want to be, and then it traps us there. Like, how many of us can recount all the, the consequences to our bad decisions? What sins have, have dramatically changed your life? Was it lust? Anger? Addiction? Was it, was it greed? Was it lying? Was it pride? And for me in my life, that's been a struggle. Pride has always been something that I struggled with. I've always been a prideful person. I've, I've ruined countless friendships, count, countless relationships because of my pride. And maybe, you know, you're, you're listening to it and you're like, I'm, I'm, not really, I'm not really that bad of a person. <laughs> I think I'm all right. I know some pretty good people. See, but the Bible says, Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned. Everyone has sinned. And every single one of us falls short of God's glorious standards. All of us. But God in his mercy and his love and in all of his wonderful attributes, he, he wouldn't allow sin and death to derail his plan to have a people that he loves and that would love him. God wasn't going to allow that to happen. In fact, what God had to do to make it right <laughs> causes us to worship him even more. See, from the very beginning, Jesus was the prophesied redeemer. From the very get-go, Jesus was the prophesied redeemer. After the fall of mankind, God set in motion his plan to reverse the, the curse that the fall caused. God set his plan in motion. If we go back and, and look at the, the consequences that Adam and Eve suffered after the fall, this is verse 15. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his hill. This verse is known as the, as the first good news. 
Okay, this is, the, this is the first good news. This is the earliest foretelling of the gospel, of what Jesus would do. This is the beginning of the end for Satan. The hostility between him and the woman, between her offspring and his offspring, is pointing towards the Son of Man. Pointing to Jesus, who would be born of a woman. So the offspring of this woman, Jesus, would deliver the fatal blow to the head of the serpent, Satan, after only being wounded by the serpent. This is foretelling of what Jesus would come and do. But this also means that Satan has temporary power to seduce, to disrupt the people of God, even to try to thwart God's redemptive plan for the Messiah. So this right here, this would set in motion the, the, the fatal blow that would lead to Satan's demise and to the redemption and the protection of God's people. Jesus' death on the cross would be just a, a momentary pain for him that would ultimately result in his and our victory over Satan, over sin, over death. It's like, man, this is a, this is an amazing story. It's amazing how much we actually get to see Jesus right here in Genesis in the very beginning of the Bible, but why would God do it that way? Why would God's plan look like this? It makes sense. God would take on flesh, but, but why did he have to die? Why did he have to die? We see the answer in Hebrews. Go. Hebrews 2.14. Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. So I love this verse because it, 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 it describes why Jesus did what he did, but it also shows how much God loves us. This verse shows how much God loves us. If we think about it, he is God. He created and sustains everything. He could have just been like, eh, Whatever. I'll just create new people. But he didn't. He chose to leave his, his throne in heaven and come down here and take on flesh and blood and experience our broken world for himself. He came down here and chose to be part of, of our mess. And so roughly 2,000 years ago, this, this prophecy that we see in, in, in Genesis 3, that Eve's offspring, or Eve's offspring the, the one who would defeat Satan, the one who would strike his head, becomes reality in the man Jesus Christ. So everything that was, was done in the old system, everything that, 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 that they did was pointing to the day that Jesus would die on the cross. And now we get to look back at this, this, this wonderful fulfillment of God's redemptive plan through Jesus. He's the, the loving God who came down to be like us, to suffer like us, to suffer with us so that we could be restored and forgiven by God. Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. What we deserve for our sin is death. But it also says that the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. What we deserve is death, but instead we get God's grace. Instead, our sins are covered by what Jesus did through his life and death and resurrection. 
See, from the very beginning, in the beginning, like Genesis says, until the very end, we see that Jesus is the one doing all the work. Jesus is the one doing all the work. And to think about it, to think just how amazing it is that the, the creator would become one of his own creations to solve the problem that we got ourselves into. <laughs> that the king would come and, and, and lay down his life for his, his broken, disobedient subjects. That the one who, who made time and space would, would break into it to redeem his people. So the question is, do you see Jesus as both creator and redeemer? Do you see Jesus as both your creator and your redeemer? Are you willing to admit that you, you've, you've failed to worship, that you've believed a lie, that we continue to believe lies about Jesus, about who God is? And will you change? We commit to, to worship him today and tomorrow and every day for the rest of your life. Will you worship Jesus as your creator, as your redeemer? See, Romans 3.22 says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. For everyone who believes, it doesn't matter what you've done, it doesn't matter what your past looks like, it doesn't matter what sins you, you have in your life. For everyone who believes, when we put our faith in Christ and what he did, his finished work on the cross, we're forgiven. Our sins are forgiven no matter who we are, no matter what we've done. So before we, we leave today, I want to I wanna just challenge you to, to take an inventory of your life. Really question, where, where do I stand with God? Where do I stand with Jesus? If you have questions about that, if you want to know what, what, that, what that means to put your trust in Jesus, maybe you've done that and you kind of want to renew that, you want to start today again. Every day we get new, new grace. Every day. We get new life from God. So if you want to talk about that, we'll have leaders around the room. I'll be up front. If you have any prayer requests, uh, if you have anything that we, we can pray with you, that we can support you with, we would love to, to talk to you about that. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's, let's pray kind of a prayer of, of, of worship and repentance. Let's, uh, if, even if, you, if you've never trusted in Jesus or, or even if you have, um, pray with us, pray with me that we can place him back into that place where he deserves to be. Jesus deserves to be the number one thing in our life. Jesus deserves to be the priority above all other things in our life. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the love you've showed us, the, the, the gift of grace that you have blessed us with. God, we thank you for your son because that means everything to us. To know that you loved us enough, God, to, to send him to pay the price for our sins, to fix our mistakes, God, to, to fix our screw-ups. Your word says that, that, that what we deserve for our sins is death. God, is spiritual death, separation from you. God, what we deserve for our sins is hell. 
But God, you provided a way for us to be free of that. You provided a way for us to be cleansed, to be forgiven, to be able to spend eternity in heaven with you. And it's all because of what your son did for us on the cross. So God, I pray that, that for anybody in here, God, who has not put Jesus at the top of their priority list, God, that has not accepted his work on the cross, that has not put their faith in him for their redemption, God, that they would do that now. God, that they would admit to you that they're broken, that they have sin in their life. God, that they're in a place that they could never get out of on their own, and so we need your son. God, we need Jesus in our life. God, I pray for anybody who, who has experienced that, God, who has trusted in Jesus, who has put their faith in him and his work. God, that they would remember that today, that they would renew that, that, that vow to you, God, that they would understand the, the commitment, God, that there's this freedom that, that happens, this exchange, God, that we give you all of our brokenness, that we give you all of our shame, and you trade us for your righteousness. So God, thank you for who you are. Thank you for, for loving us enough to do that for us. God, thank you for your word. And God, I pray that our eyes are open to, to the fact that we see your son everywhere in the Bible. God, just because we don't see his name, it's all about him. So God, I pray that you give us a, a new desire, a new drive to, to get into your word, God, especially into the Old Testament. God, that we get excited to, to get in there and read and look for your son and everywhere that he can be found. God, I pray that we have a, a boldness as we go about our, our, our day this week, God, as we, um, as, as we interact with people, God, that we would uh, just be excited to talk about you, God, to share your word, to share what you've done in our lives. And God, I pray that you would give us courage to do that. I pray that you would give us uh, wisdom and, and the words to go out and, and tell people about you. God, so we love you, we praise you, we thank you for all that you do. And it's in your beautiful son, Jesus' name, amen.